This audio tape of Nikki Oshinsky's miracle is taken from a video documentary. The story is told without narration, entirely in the words of those who witnessed it. You will first hear Nikki's own voice, then you will hear from her mother, Chris, her father, Walt, twin brother, Tripp, and best friend, Nancy. Later on, you'll hear the voices of Rich Van Winkle, pastor of the Shepherd's House in Louisville, Texas, as well as the testimony of Dr. Bruce Amison, a chiropractic physician who treated Nikki and called her miracle the greatest healing he had ever seen. And now, Nikki Oshinsky, the story of a miracle. The beginning of it was, I was 14 years old. It was in April, I believe. And we had gone to Wednesday night service. What a weird thing to have happen on the way home from church. I mean, life is wonderful, and then all of a sudden, bang. Two cars in front of us uh, went out of control, hit the median, and came bouncing off the median across us, now going sideways, backwards, in every way except for forward. Uh, the car hit us from behind. We spun around. I slammed against the window, and um, then we came to a screeching halt. We couldn't hardly talk because of the fear of the accident. Um, it was raining, it was dark, there were other cars involved. Um, we just lumped up in the back seat and started singing. When the ambulance arrived and the police arrived, Mom was in the back seat trying to comfort me and we were singing, I've got a feeling everything is going to be alright. I'm going to cry as, as the ambulance went on and I knew in my spirit that something had changed, but I knew it was going to be alright from then on. That's really our lifestyle, was to, uh-oh, we've got a problem, let's press into God, and all we could even do was sing. Police, uh, a lot of tickets written to everyone except me. Um, then the ambulance is taking her to the hospital. And uh, that was the start. About six months after the accident, I had a pain in my left hip. Every kid has aches and pains of growing up, and why shouldn't she? She was 14 years old, and her hip might hurt, but then it progressed to where she preferred not to walk. It was weird because she just wouldn't come out sometimes because she, her hip was hurting, or um, she was just really sick. It's like, can I use crutches, Dad? We had crutches from when my brother had broken his knee. I said, Dad, can we use crutches? And I used crutches for a couple of days, and they said, this is not normal. We are going to the doctor. And uh, it ended up that Nikki would lay for hours at a time um, and actually tremble in pain. So we went to the doctor that everybody goes to for sniffles and sprained ankle and all that. And she took x-rays and poked around on my leg and said, I can't find anything wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. She said, you're a homeschooler, aren't you? I had been homeschooled since the fourth grade. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She goes, you must need more attention at home. Go home. Nothing's wrong with you. <laughs> so I went home, and the pain got worse and worse. It eventually spread throughout my entire body. We saw another doctor, and another doctor, and another doctor, and another doctor. We went to 18 doctors. <laughs> um, I know exactly what a doctor's office should look like. It's like a roller coaster. Uh, every time she went up she didn't quite go as high and every time she went down she went a little lower. Not only was her hip hurting but um, she had other weird symptoms like 
her legs would be cold and the trunk of her body would be hot. Um, my stomach would hurt all the time. My, I would get muscle spasms in my, especially my upper arms and in my back that would last for two months at a time and not go away. There were some points where Chris and I looked at each other and said, where's this going to go? I had, I had to make special, I guess, adjustments to coming over. Um, she was allergic to smell, so um, I love to smell pretty, so I always had to take a shower. The neurologist said she was perfectly fine, and then he said go back to the rheumatologist one more time, and if he doesn't come up with an answer, the Mayo Clinic's the next step. She didn't trust the doctors like she trusted God, and she knew that it was going to have to be him to heal her. I never questioned the healing, but I questioned when the timing would come. Because at one point I had run up to God and I said, okay God, when am I going to get healed? And he said, Nikki, this miracle is going to be a progressive miracle. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. A progressive miracle is better than no miracle at all. We didn't really know for a while that Nikki was real that, that sick because she didn't uh, dwell on it. They just came to church and, and uh, let us know that, that Nikki was sick. We didn't know the extent of it at first. One of the things that I noticed early that stopped was natural crying. Nikki didn't cry when she was in pain. She would lay in pain, but she quit crying after not too long. My heart, I guess, began to form toward the family because I, I, I saw everything. It wasn't it wasn't, um, nothing was hidden. It was all, here it is. Um, after about two years, I went to a rheumatologist, which I had seen the year before and had given me the diagnosis of fibromyalgia, which is the sister to um, chronic fatigue syndrome. But the opposite of it, because pain is more important than you being fatigued. Um, and so he had given me that diagnosis, and really it's, we don't know what's wrong with you, so we'll call it this. There was no cure, there was no answer, it was if you had fibromyalgia you had to learn to live with it. And we didn't want to accept that as an answer. There had to be something curable wrong. And um, he said, all I can do is give you sleeping pills to help her rest at night and pain pills to cope during the day. Sometimes I wanted to be out and it was hard to be out with all my friends and then know that Nikki was home just with mom or with dad. I was done with doctors. I was sick of them. They called me liars. You know, they called me a liar. They hurt me. They did all these tests and nothing ever came of it. So I was done with them. She didn't sleep well. Um, that's part of the illness of fibromyalgia is not being able to sleep. I remember for at least two years, between one and four in the morning, I would go to bed about 10. Then between one and four in the morning, mom would always end up having, I'd have to end up going get mom or yell for her, you know, depending on what my body was doing that in time. We had to buy a car, uh, especially for taking her around that, we call it a marshmallow car because it had to be very cushioned. I learned to avoid certain streets because they weren't paved well. Um, and if I did hit a bump, she would always go <sighs> I didn't remember what it was like not to hurt. And I was even to the point where in all my dreams I was sick. Nikki's been great. She, that girl just, you know, she'd be in extreme pain and nobody know it. She'd just 
loving people and talking about the Lord. Something that she taught us through all of this is how to enjoy life. The moment, not, it didn't have to be big, it didn't have to be Disney World, it was the moment. Mom, look at that little girl. Look at that smile. Mom, look at that nice lady. You know, wasn't that sweet the way the checkout girl um, talked to me today? Or, I sure like wearing this blue shirt. You know, just the, the small, little, wonderful things that we all take for granted. I got to drive our first car. I mean, we were supposed to share it, but it um, didn't work out like that because she was so sick. I mean, <laughs> I wrecked it, but um, she was cool with it. I mean, she was fine. You know, I prayed every time I came over that I would be a joy to the family, and it always turned out that way. I mean, we would just laugh our heads off, you know, and it was great to see um, kind of that burst of just joy. If there's anything that made it work for me, it was her laughter every day. It might not have been for long, but it was always there. We believe that God is going to come back and restore the church to the book of Acts, whereby in the book of Acts, everybody's being healed, everybody's being delivered. God is with us with such magnitude of his glory and presence that that we begin to see oneness, we begin to see healing, we begin to see the body. What we read in the book of Acts, we see. Over four years, little by little, new symptoms were being added. And I don't know how, how long the span in between symptoms being added. I don't even remember when I started um, getting sensitive to candles or getting sensitive to smells. We decided that we needed to pursue another doctor. We were not getting any answers here. And we had heard about a clinic that was specifically for uh, people who had symptoms that didn't connect with each other. Sometime around midsummer, uh, Nikki went to a clinic and everything and her condition then you know, just went from bad to worse. When we went to that clinic and I started getting saline IVs, which I were allergic to, and started getting um, saunas, I is when it all sped up like fast forward and it all collided in one big awful car wreck. You know, begin with the car wreck, end with the car wreck. And it got worse and worse and worse that the very last stretch there. Her whole muscular tone absolutely went out the door within a day. I was in a wheelchair full time. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't get myself out of bed. I couldn't bathe myself or mom and dad did everything for me. It, it was weird to think that my sister is going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Uh, Fifteen shots a day. Just if I was exposed to something, they would give me an allergy shot to try to neutralize it. People would take histamine. You take antihistamines uh, when you get a runny nose. That's so your body thinks that it's already released histamine, so it won't have an allergic reaction and you won't start sneezing or whatever. They would give me histamine shots, which I was allergic to, but we found the neutralizing dose. Um, five of them a day. Then on top of that, allergy shots. Then on top of that, ALF shots. ALF is a serum they make from your own immune cells. They give it to cancer patients and to AIDS patients to boost their immune system. Um, that, mom bathing me, mom feeding me, um, helping me use the restroom, um, dad 
doing everything he could within his means. And uh, my brother resolving to just make me laugh because he couldn't do anything else. <laughs> um, we knew that there was no way it was going to be resolved except by God. We were told over and over in prayer that no man would take credit for this. And we couldn't really understand how that was going to happen, especially at the point where she went into the clinic because it was controlled by a man. And seeing her so um, trusting in God and talking to him like she would talk to me was so awesome. I would hear talk about, oh, God said this and this and this to me today. God would tell me I was pretty when I gained 40 pounds. And God would tell me I was going to be healed when my body screamed of death. It was, she was always an encouragement to me, you know, it was always just, I look at her and I walk away and I go home or, you know, I'd spend the night many times on the couch or whatever, but I would just, my God, you know, to have that kind of faith and to have that kind of joy is just incredible. It was, you know, kind of a, a life-changing thing just watching her go through it. It was a blessing to me and is a blessing to me to be 20 years old and not have to wait till I'm 50 to realize that if it's just you and him you're good I didn't know what to do other than encourage her and that's why I made the sign like I did um, I, other than to tell her what God did for other people because God loves everybody the same so if he did it if he healed the, the lady with the issue of blood, he'd heal my sister. I knew it. If he'd heal a leper, he'd heal my sister. I mean, same situations. And that's what I had to, that's why I did that. I wanted to show her that you are healed because God's already healed you and he's already did it for these people, so he's gonna do it for you. And that's where I was living, in this foil-covered, sterile environment with a $300 air purifier. <laughs> and um, some distilled water in a glass jar because I couldn't drink from plastic because plastic would make me sick. And uh, that was the sick room. But the cool thing about the sick room was my brother had made me a sign. You know, when you're well, a day can be very long. But when you're sick, a day is forever. And so many things can go wrong in a day when you're sick. Then people say, well, you do it for an hour. An hour is a very long time. If you watch a clock for an hour, it is a very long time. Well, you can do it for a minute. I can do it for a minute. If you ever sit there, and I challenge you to get a clock out and then watch the second hand go around for a whole minute, that is a very long minute. I used to tell Mom I can do anything for half a second. Not even a second, because you can measure it. Anything you can measure can be very long. <laughs> I can do anything for half a second with the grace of God. Because he's there for you now. Because if you start looking ahead, you're going to get overwhelmed. For half a second, I trusted God. And then for the next half a second, I trusted God. And then for the next half a second, I complained that my feet were hurting. And then the next half a second, I was convicted, so I trusted God. <laughs> Anybody can do anything for half a second with the grace of God.
We had people signing up every day just to pray, find something in the book of Acts and pray for that to happen here at the shepherd's house. And uh, then, um, so that's what we were doing in the process of all of this. Well, what's interesting, when we started doing that in July, that's when Nikki went just completely bedridden. We ended up going to a, a Christian chiropractor. I was very shocked when I saw her because the last time I saw her was about four or so years ago and she was walking around her own power and, and uh, being able to, to function very well. Um, I examined her as best I could. I couldn't get her up and move around because she was um, not able to do that. I stood behind my daughter and my wife because my wife had to carry the load. She was with her 24 and 7. There's a lot of things Dad couldn't do. Seeing Chris deal with Nikki, you know, I thought, you know, every moment she's with Nikki, every minute, you know, there's, there's not a time that she really wasn't alone. Her medical doctors didn't seem to really have a good handle on what was going on. I was afraid that they were misdiagnosing, frankly. Um, she really looked like she was in latter stage of, of MS. I was allergic to the metal that they would give me in butterflies to give me IVs. And it would make my veins collapse and infiltrate where it goes out of the vein and the liquid starts leaking into between your skin. Horribly painful. Never want to do that. So they would give me catheters that were about this long and they would put them in a vein and they would leave them there for three days because my veins were so hard to find and so small from all the abuse and just how my body was that if they left it in there for three days they could at least use it and exhaust it until they had to take it out. It just got that. I remember one day after I fed her I had to come up here and because I couldn't be around anymore. I mean it was she, we were 19 and I was feeding my sister food. I mean that was stupid. Like you would feed a baby. I was feeding my sister. and. I just, I just got to the point where, God, if you're going to do it, do it now, because what else can I do? Not really being in the family, but being there, seeing everything, seeing everybody's emotions, um, seeing the frustration, seeing the fear, seeing the loneliness, seeing the anger, seeing, you know, I saw all of it, but it really wasn't said. I just, I observed everything, and... It was definitely um, a tough thing to watch. Uh, I was concerned that you know this was going to such a degree and no one was really on, on top of what was going on. And since that really wasn't my department, you know, I was at a loss. Now I remember one day I went over and visited with Nikki and she just, you know, she just laying there on the couch, but I mean, well, they had a whole special little bed for her, but uh, she was always in a good mood. She was always talking about Jesus. He's going to heal her and everything. I told her, I said, Nikki, you're healed by the stripes of Jesus. Focus on those stripes. One day, I had gone to the clinic on a regular day. Go there, get your IVs, get shots, get whatever. And I had started, when I got out of the sauna, I started jerking a little bit. It's kind of weird, you know. I didn't have any energy to jerk, but I was involuntarily jerking. Then when I was laying down, my body was jerking. Then it started jerking so bad that mom wouldn't leave the side of the hospital table that I was on. She was afraid I was going to fly off of it. 
I couldn't sit up by myself, I couldn't walk, I couldn't do anything, but she was afraid I was going to fly off this table because I was jerking so bad. For lack of better words, I was having a seizure. And, and I said, Lord, I've got to know, is Nikki going to die? Um, it was scary. That, the doctor came in, did everything he knew to do as the jerking got worse and went on for over an hour. And he said, Nikki, you just got to try to breathe and relax. Well, my diaphragm was even jerking. And so, how do you breathe when your diaphragm is jerking? So he leaves the room and we start praying. That's what you do when something happens. You pray. Mom calls pastor on the phone and it's praying. And I run up to God and I said, God, I hate this. I absolutely hate this. I don't want to be here. I've gotten very good at mind games. When your body hurts all the time and you're tired, you can just close your eyes and just tune out your body, <laughs> you know? Not in a bad way, just tune it out. I was good at mind games, but that day I didn't have to play a mind game. I said, God, I hate this. This is the worst moment of my life. The demon voices that have been screaming for five years telling me, why are you doing this? Do you need attention that bad? Are screaming at me. My body is freaking out worse than I've ever seen, and my mom is scared. I can tell my mom is scared. You have to do something, God. I also have experienced a, the personal war of faith. Um, you know, Nikki talked about fighting the good fight of faith. Um, Most people don't realize it when it's the worst moment of their life, but I knew it. I knew it was. I said, I can't do this. I cannot do this. You have to do something. He was always faithful to me, but I said, buddy, you've got to do something now. I can't deal with this. I, my eyes were closed, and I saw Jesus walk up to me. It was not a visitation. It was not a vision. It was not a sighting. It was Jesus walking up to me. And he walked up to me, and I was like, okay, this is normal. This is my friend, even though I'd never seen him before. He walked up to me, and he showed me his hands. I saw the holes in his hands, and he flipped them over, and he showed me on the other side the holes, and there was still blood in his ho the holes of his hands. I said later, why, why was there blood in your hands? And he said, it's to show Satan, because that's the payment. That's the payment for everything. And then he turned around, and he lifted up his tunic, and he showed me his back. And there are, you know, it says, by his stripes we were healed. They're not stripes. I don't know who wrote that, but they misrepresented what was on Jesus' back. They're gashes. They're about this wide and they're very deep. You don't mend from something like that. They scar over a little bit, but they were all over. This, he was brutalized. He was tortured to death. And then this was the kicker for me. He turned around and he leaned in real close to me. And one cheekbone was higher than the other. And there was so much scar tissue around his eyes from the beating that you could barely see his eyes, but you could see him. Because the word says he was beaten beyond recognition. How are you recognized but by your face? I had never thought of that. I've known God almost my whole life, and I had never thought when you get to heaven, yeah, you're going to see the, hand, the scars on his hands and on his back and everything, but never about his face. And it broke my heart. Because my best friend was standing in front of me saying, I did this for you.
because I loved you. He didn't stand in front of me and show me all that to say, why aren't you trusting me? Why are you flipping out right now? He stood in front of me and showed me all that to say, look what I did. It's done, Nikki. You're going to be healed. I've already paid for it. All he said to me was, I love you. And I said, I love you too. We heard that Andrew Womack was coming to our church. And um, I had seen him about four or five years ago, I guess, uh, at another church fellowship and um, had heard him on the radio and I thought, this will be great. My mom told me there was a man named Andrew Womack. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's good. <laughs> and she said, you know him. And I said, I know him, do I? And she said, yes, you do. You've heard him on the radio. I couldn't remember my dog's name half the time. And when I came in, Chris informed me that she really wanted to go to church because there was a guest speaker that night. I said, sure, go ahead, I'm here. And that was all I knew about it at that point. Andrew had scheduled, he'd been to our church about a year and a half ago, and he had then rescheduled to come in November. And, and we'd had Andrew scheduled for probably a year. Mom took her cell phone for when I had to use the restroom because I'm close to Dad, but not that close. I did have my cell phone with me, uh, and it was on Jiggle, just in case they needed me. Um, but uh, to go to somebody uh, who could speak so clearly with the Word of God was such a blessing. Andrew started out, and he said, you know, I, tonight I would like to talk to you all about grace and faith. And I thought, oh, good, here we go, grace and faith again. And um, what, how he shared the message of grace and faith was that grace was always there. Grace is always there. And faith is the name for our response to grace. And I'd never heard faith taught like that before. Andrew just got up, taught on healing, then he said, all right, anybody that's in pain, come up. We stopped letting people pray for Nikki um, because it wasn't bearing any fruit and it was arduous for her to endure people praying for her. Um, just people coming in, the activity was difficult on her. So I watched Andrew. It wasn't, you know, whether they did anything good, bad, or indifferent had nothing to do with it. It was the pure love and grace of God. And, and um, I've seen some people come up and they, you could tell they felt like, well, I'm just not worthy. And Andrew would just talk to him and just say, no, don't do that. I took a seat on the front row and watched the prayer line and the people go up after service uh, when he prayed for people. And um, this little girl with a blonde ponytail, she was about five years old, walked up to Andrew just as bold and he knelt down in front of her because he's so tall, you know. And he said, what is it you want? She said, my head hurts. And he said, he said, well, I believe Jesus is going to heal your head because he loves you. And she said, me too. And he said, if, does your head hurt right now? And she said, yes. And he said, if the pain would away, went away, would you know it? And she said, yes. And he said, well, we're going to pray right now. And so he reached up and he put his hands on her head. And, you know, he tucked his chin 
in prayer with his eyes closed, and she just sat there and stared at him. And he prayed the prayer of faith over her and rebuked pain in the name of Jesus. And he patted her on the head and he said, how are you feeling? And she said, good. He said, how's your head? And she said, it's all better. And she gave him a big hug and went away. We had another lady in our church, her name is Lori, but she had um, a similar condition to, to Nikki. Her, her joints were beginning to get real sore. She was at the point she couldn't do laundry. Well, Andrew prayed for her and she was instantly healed. My phone jiggled and my heart stopped because I knew what that meant. It meant we needed to go home. I needed to leave, but I hadn't talked to Andrew yet. And so I answered the phone and Nikki said, Mom, when are you coming home? And that meant she needed me now. And I said, Honey, give me five more minutes. I'm in the prayer line. Okay, Mama. So I ran up in front of the next person in line. I just, I just ran up there because I had no choice. I had to get home. I don't know who I cut in front of, but oh well. And I said, Hi, Andrew. My name's Chris Oshinsky, and I have a 19-year-old daughter at home. Would you come and pray for her? Andrew kind of knew my vision because I'd shared with him at some of the pastor's conferences, but I'd never said anything to him about Nikki. He didn't know anything about Nikki's condition. When I saw him pray for people and they got instantly healed, I knew she was going to be healed. I knew. How do I know? I knew him. I know her. I knew it. God had promised it. it. There had to be an appointed time, and tomorrow was Nikki's day. Chris, seeing all of this, she grabbed the tape of that night, and, and she went home, and she asked Andrew if he would come and pray for Nikki. And he said, well, sure. So she took the, the tape home that night with her, gave it to Nikki. When she got home and she told me that my friend Miss Lori had gotten healed, I said, wow, and I was so happy for her. But I didn't dare say in my heart, maybe I'll get healed tomorrow. Because if you say it out loud, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I said, I, I heard a sermon tonight, a teaching about grace and faith. And I wish I could explain it to you, but it's in my heart. It's not in my brain. I just know, though, you've got to hear the tape. And she said, good, Mom, I want to hear the tape. But when he said... Progressive miracles aren't the complete will of God. I didn't get offended because the man is anointed. And he was speaking it in love, and love does not offend people. Um, unless there's flesh there. But um, I didn't get offended, but I said, I ran up to God, because he just talks right back to me. And I said, okay, God, you told me my miracle would be progressive. And this man is saying something contrary to that. Now, where does that line up? And he said, Nikki, according to your faith, it was going to be a progressive miracle. And I said, you're right, because I was afraid of being instantly healed because of where I was mentally. Even though I knew God wanted me to heal me, and I did want to be healed, don't get me wrong, but it had gone on for so long. <laughs> One of the standard conversations Nikki and I had for about two, three weeks before that, was, Nikki, if you can just make your legs fall off of that chair so I can see your feet hit the floor, it sure would make Dad feel good. And she'd always say, Dad, I'm trying. I'm trying, Dad. 
and they never hit the floor. Now, I, I knew God was going to heal her, and yet the voice of doubt was right there with me the whole time, and yet I knew God was going to heal her, and yet the voice of doubt was right there. And so here was this battle going on, and we didn't talk out loud in the morning about today you're going to be healed. We just talked about what a special day this was going to be. That morning, because I had watched Andrew minister, I knew that he would ask her if she had pain in her body. And so I specifically said, Nikki, why didn't you not take your pain medicine today? And Chris called me and told me um, about Andrew's message the night before and about just the different things that um, she was feeling inside and she knew that Nikki was going to get healed and, you know, for me to come over. He came in and Nikki was laying there just, you know, totally bedridden. And I, I still hadn't, I still didn't, I didn't say a word to Andrew about her total condition. So he really didn't know. Her dad was at the head of her chair, but as far away from her as he could step because we wanted Andrew to pray. We didn't want to be involved. We wanted to watch. Our pastor knelt down at her head and Andrew knelt next to the chair. Um, I was sitting on a bench and Chris was standing up kind of by me. Walt was on the other side of the room. And we had everything not under control, but at least within sight. We were going to see everything and anything that happened. And he said, hi Nikki, my name is Andrew, and I believe you're going to get healed today. And I looked at him and I said, I do too. And I was like, if I could have gone like that, I would have. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. But I knew I was going to be healed. And he talked to her about the fact that, you know, God will honor your faith if you believe in a gradual healing. He'll work with that, but he can heal you right now. And, and uh, of course, uh, Nikki had seen that tape. I'm I think she'd watched it that morning, and she said, I know he's going to heal me now. And Andrew said, okay, no problem. He said, well, do you have any pain in your body? And the first thought in my head was, stupid question of the millennium, but you don't know, so I'll give you grace. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, I think I have some pain in my body. <laughs> you know, top of my head, bottom of my feet, and all everywhere in between, but we just, you know, he doesn't know. If you, do you have pain in your body? If it went away, would you know it? I thought in the back of my mind, I don't remember what it's like not to hurt. I sure hope I know what it feels like when it leaves, but I'm not sure that I will. I didn't say that out loud, but I said, oh yeah, I don't know. Andrew taught about grace and faith. And Andrew is a real simple, cut-and-dry speaker. And so when he prays, that's how he prays. It's very simple. There's no big shouting and carrying on long, laboriously, flowery. It's what I call a cowboy prayer. It's how a cowboy would pray. Lord, thank you for healing Nikki. Thank you for your blood that you shed for her. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you for loving Nikki. We rebuke pain in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Nikki, how are you feeling? And all the pain in my body left, except for my neck right here. Well, when she tilted her head, he said, oh, that's just the devil. He's a pain in the neck. And he reached down to pray for her neck. Well, Andrew didn't know she fell out of the wheelchair the week before and got whiplash. 
The last time that I saw her in the office uh, for treatment, she had fallen out of her wheelchair and everything had gone yucky. When he reached out to touch her, I panicked inside. I knew she was going to be healed, but inside of me I was thinking, Lord, he's going to touch her neck. Don't let, her, don't let him hurt her. So he puts his hands on her neck. I think Chris was about to, you know, run him off, but... So he rebuked it and it went away. And he said, well, get up and move around and see if it's gone. And I went to get up. Well, Nikki's laying on her back. She goes... She just shook all over her body. Nothing was working in cooperation with anything else. I couldn't sit up by myself. Was not a shock to me one bit. I was not surprised, but he goes, What's wrong with you? <laughs> Andrew looks over his right shoulder at me like he just stepped in something. I wanted to say that so bad. And uh, he said, well, we just have to pray about that. That's all there is to it. And again, he reached out that big old hand. But, and I cried out to God, please don't let him hurt her. I know for this that you had to be trained a certain way to hold her up because if you did, it would like, make her back all out of line and everything because she was so fragile and without you know knowing that he placed his hand the very way that you to be trained to be to do it and he knelt down inside my chair and he said well can I pray for you I said yeah you can pray for me and now I have to tell you about Jesus she began to cry and wail from her belly from her innermost being like I had never heard her cry before. She, she just wept out loud, like crying, like, you know, from the depths of her soul, like, you know, way down deep. This was unusual. And she just sort of lumped up or over in the chair. And I checked out in the spirit. But this time I walked up to Jesus and Jesus didn't walk up to me. I saw myself walking up to him. Interesting, huh? And it was like an episode of The X-Files. Don't promote that show, just saying it was like that. <laughs> and he, he took his hands and he peeled all away my skin, layer by layer. He got all the way down to my feet. And when he got to my feet and he was like throwing away this dead skin, I felt so physically strong. Andrew was in mid-prayer. He was imparting righteous indignation in her. He was imparting strength and life in Jesus' name. She took one hand on the covers and threw it back. She took her other arm and went straight across Andrew's chest and at the same time kicked with her feet to get those covers off. And those little legs came swinging off of that pallet and they hit the floor. Oh my gosh, she's walking. She was shaking and she walked over, Walt was to my left, and she walked over to her daddy. and gave him a big hug. And the whole house exploded, <laughs> starting with Mom. Chris is just screaming out the wazoo, you know, just yelling. And I was at the other end of the room screaming and jumping and, and, and just rejoicing. That was awesome, but it felt so normal. Happened like that. I was shaking. My muscles were going, what are you doing? But I did it, and I was able to do it. She turned around and she was headed to me. She could hear me, but she couldn't see me. And she got halfway across the living room and Andrew and Pastor Rich were there. And she looked at Andrew and she said, and I, I don't, don't want to shake, shake anymore either. either. 
I was mad at that point. He had prayed righteous indignation in me. And he laughed, and he put his hands on her, and he said, In the name of Jesus' body, you be still. And she walked up to me, and she said, Oh, Mama. Couldn't be anything better. Nikki's twin brother, Trip, was upstairs. And I remember coming into my room and just laying down on my bed, and for some reason I fell asleep. I yelled out, I said, somebody go get Trip. Next thing I knew was Dad coming running up the stairs and pounding on my door, and he said, he said, you have to come downstairs right now. He said, you got to come see Nikki, she's healed. And I thought to myself, no way. And he came downstairs, and when he came down, there was Nikki standing there. I think he thought it was a dream, really. But she was standing up just, you know, hugging Mom. It was incredible. And then she turned around and she walked over to me and gave me a huge hug. It, it was an incredible moment. And all I could do was thank God for changing our hearts that we could receive Him. Because He had to change us to receive the miracle. What a gift. Nikki that day, she would not lay back down. She just kept standing up and... Nikki walked Andrew and Pastor Rich to the door after we had taken a picture because um, that's something our family enjoys is taking a lot of photographs. And um, we had stopped doing that because um, you don't photograph death. You don't want to remember hands that are curled up or feet that are turned in or a face that has no color or eyes that don't sparkle anymore. But those eyes were gleaming with tears of joy. And Andrew had a stunned look on his face. And I said, wait, Andrew, would you mind posing for a picture? And he said, sure, <laughs> why not? And he did. I'm so glad we have a photograph of that day because it shows um, the delight in her life and what a privilege it was that Andrew would be the one to bring the word of the Lord at the moment and reap the harvest. Since then, I have not had one allergy shot. I have not had any major drugs. I have not had a chiropractic adjustment. <laughs> she had a miraculous healing. I mean, there's nothing short of, of a miracle here. This girl, in my opinion, was, 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 was going to die. Now, I'm not a medical practitioner, no, but it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to look at how she was deteriorating and figure out that, that she was going downhill. The next day I went to the clinic where I went to six days a week. Now that the gift has been given and Nikki has received it, we get to share it. When the doctor finally came out, he goes, oh, Nikki, what happened? Jesus healed me like I told you he was going to. He said, well, you're going to continue to take your Thyrolar. That was for my thyroid. It outputs cells and T cells, and mine was very low. That was part of my energy problem. And you're going to continue to take your antigen shots, all those shots I was taking, and you do your sauna and everything. And I said, no, sir, that's for sick people, and I'm not sick. No, he said, no, you have to be a good steward of what the good Lord gave you. I said, this is the temple of God, and I will be a good steward of my temple, but I will not 
enable my body to be sick. He was not very happy about that. <laughs> but that was the truth, and I was not going to be sucked back into enabling my body to think I was sick. One of the things that Nikki has shared with me is that she took her healing. She received it, yes, because Jesus gave it. But she had to reach out by faith and take the grace of healing that Jesus had already given her. It was different. What Andrew said was different. I told Andrew, I said, Andrew, you came and kind of showed us how to move into this. You gave us a model that we can follow. Actually, I got a cold about two days after I got healed. Within two days, I got a cold. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, if you can, my faith will go up there and grab that healing that you gave to me, and I can be healed. And I can't go up there and grab the faith to heal a cold. What good am I? But the cold didn't last three weeks like it used to with me. It lasted a couple days. Not only is it a, a battle to go up and receive the physical healing, but it's also a battle to trust God again and again. The impact that Nikki's uh, testimony has had on people and the doors of, of opportunities to minister to people have just opened up. I have seen people who have gotten better and I've had patients who who didn't get better, but I have never seen such a drastic change in anybody in the 19 plus years of practicing. I have never seen that. Seeing her now and seeing her, I, it's hard to remember how she was and it's hard to think that she actually was um, in bed for that long and seeing her doing aerobics and everything else that she's doing. I mean, from that point on, it was a matter of laughing with Nikki, at Nikki, and about Nikki because she was doing everything that a normal child does and not realizing it half of the time. So after I got healed, I told Mom, I said, I want to paint my bedroom upstairs. I want to paint it. I want a new environment, nothing that reminds me of the old, nothing of the sick room. And by the way, I want to paint it red. <laughs> She said, oh, okay. So the next day, we painted my room lipstick red, honey. And it is great. <laughs> um, the amazing thing was when we were painting, I said, my arms aren't getting knotted. This doesn't hurt. I'm standing on water. I'm moving big buckets of paint. I'm sleeping in a room with paint fumes. I couldn't be in a house, in a building where they were painting without it making me sick. And I was sleeping in a room with pet fresh paint that I had painted. Uh, it wasn't just her muscles. And it wasn't just some of her environmental illness. It was all of it. The fear, my worst fear, God, if you instantly heal me, I won't remember that I can brush my teeth. And I won't remember when I get up in the middle of the night to use the restroom that I don't have to call mom on the baby monitor that they have next to my bed. I won't m remember that I can walk. Um, that fear never came to pass because when God heals you, He's so complete that He healed my mind. Healing is an avenue to people's heart. I mean, everywhere Nikki goes, she starts telling somebody about her healing, like when she went climbing uh, a couple weeks ago in this big elevator, which you'll see, but they told the guy there her testimony. It, it just 
What's amazing to me, it, it seems to touch lost people almost more than saved people. To be able to tell anyone what God did is the only way I can properly thank God for what He did. I could stand on many stages and say, thank you, Lord, for what you did. But it would be better served in the back of a grocery store, the lady I bump into and the Holy Spirit says, tell her what I did. And tell her, and she tells her friends, or she knows the next time her kid gets sick, who to turn to. It's all about the love of God. It's not because I was a special person, or because I was happy the whole time, or because I was a positive thinker. It was because Jesus died for me because he loved me. Is it true today that when people pray, cloudless skies will break, kings and queens will shake? Yes, it's true.